Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, you know, the the whistleblower that got arrested, um, there's been a lot of speculation about this person. Uh, he's rather young, right? And young people, meh, they're, they're into young people things, right? They're not necessarily that in tune with what the government's doing or how the government's violating our rights or I, they're just, it's just not their thing, right? They're, they're more interested in going to parties and meeting girls and, and, and doing things that 21 year olds do. And so there's a lot of speculation about whether this guy may be a patsy or not. This, the guy I'm talking about is this guy, Jack Tessera, who was this air national guardsman who's been accused of leaking these uh, sensitive government documents onto the internet, and specifically on uh, a site called Discord. And, you know, I, I don't know, right? There's, there's no way to know. There, we're probably never going to know, actually. But it is interesting, and I've, I've broached the subject before, about how depending on what kind of leaker you are, you're either an enemy of the state or you're somebody who should be protected by whistleblower laws. And if you go back and you just look at the last five years, the, the whistleblower. Well, first of all, look, look at the Trump administration. Look at how many leaks happened during the Trump administration. And not one person was caught. Not one. Not even one. I think the only person that basically came forward as a leaker was that Lieutenant Colonel uh, Vanderbeer or whatever his name was. I forget if it started with a V and he wasn't prosecuted for leaking anything. So there, there's just to begin with, there's, there's a, there's a disparity on how the government views leakers or whistleblowers. You know, there's a famous saying about, um, uh, one person's terrorist or one country's terrorist is another country's freedom fighter. And I think this is a very similar kind of dynamic, you know, where um, in this particular case, this guy's a leaker and he leaks sensitive documents and he's, it's treason. And we must, you know, according to the media, we must figure out how to stop all this leaking. Right. But then in another, another scenario, uh, he's a whistleblower or she's a whistleblower and they should be protected by the whistleblower laws. You know, so if you're telling on Donald Trump, you're a whistleblower. If you're telling on, uh, the deep state, the managerial state, the warfare state, well, then you're, you know, you're a leaker and that's treason. And so I just think it's interesting to notice that first of all, but, Today, what I want to do is I want to, uh, we got a, uh, a program called Judging Freedom. Uh, it's with Judge uh, Napolitano. 
and he has his own program and he's talking to this guy Larry Johnson who's a a formal uh, a former excuse me uh, Intel officer an Intel employee of the CIA and he's kind of giving his opinion on these documents um, which I think is interesting because even some of these former CIA people are starting to see the absurdity with which you know the government is using the law to uh, harm citizens that are only really trying to kind of keep the government within its constitutional framework. And clearly we have a government today that's just way outside of its constitutional framework. In fact, um, I don't know that you could ever rein it back in without just completely dissolving the government. But that's a discussion for another day. Really what I want to look at today is this guy's opinion about the nature of these documents and why um, why they're why they're out, you know, why he thinks they're out, who does he thinks behind it? What types of documents are these? You know, what what uh, what are the sources? Um, and you know, why is it significant? And I, I think these are all interesting questions, more so than the questions that the mainstream media is asking. And, and those basically uh, are reduced to, well, how can we help keep documents from, like, from getting leaked like this? How can we help the government stop this leaking? Which I think is the wrong, I mean, that's absolutely 180 degrees the wrong way to look at it. We need people that are willing to leak documents. The, the, the real question is, is how do we enable people to leak documents that we, the American people, uh, that reveal the truth about what our government is doing in our name without it being uh, criminally uh, risky for them to do so? That, that's the real question, not how do we keep these documents secret. And so I want to use this Judge Knapp uh, interview to delve into some of these questions, which I think are extremely important, and they're going to become even more important as the government uh, does more and more radical things to restrict our freedom and to uh, encroach on um, just what it is to be an American. Larry Johnson joins us uh, today. Larry, I've been very anxious to uh, speak with you as soon as I read about these uh, uh, classified intel documents, some of which were released a week ago today, some of which I say released, posted on the internet, some of which were uh, posted on Good Friday. This show was dark uh, on Good Friday, uh, all of which appear to be authentic. I'll ask you in a moment if, in your view, they are authentic, and all of which appear to uh, pertain to what the government knows uh, or what uh, some analysts are want the government to know about the the readiness of Ukraine to fight and and its military stability and strength vis-a-vis the Russians. So let me start with the basics. Is there any question in your mind, Larry, uh, about the authenticity of these documents? No, I, they're 100% authentic in my view. I, I, I've worked for 30 years looking at documents like this. Uh, so it, this notion that these are fabrications, uh, that, that's nonsense. And, and who would have prepared this or in what kind of an intel setting uh, 
would these documents have been made known to the person who ultimately got them out to the public? Well, the actual report that these documents were contained in was not, think of this as like a, re, a classified reader's digest. In other words, you've got a variety of different sources from different parts of the intelligence community bringing in articles together that are then assembled and presented as a daily reading brief. Uh, one of these briefs, I'm told, is 130 pages every day. And so it comes from different sources. So the, the people that actually wrote the original intelligence, they, someone came from CIA, some came from the Defense Intelligence Agency, some came from the National Security Agency. So it's important to understand that it wasn't just one author of this. For, for what reason was this Reader's Digest thing prepared other than to inform persons entitled or required right. uh, to receive it of what, what was in there? Well, there's a, it's part of the function of the intelligence analyst to produce a daily report that top policymakers can read. Uh, but also the people who are producing it can read it. So it's not like it's only only the generals are going to see it. You'll have lots of captains and majors, even lieutenants, as long as they have the top secret clearance. Tell us what top secret no foreign is. Well, top secret by definition is no foreign. No foreign is a designator attached to secret documents, sometimes to confidential documents. That means not for foreigners. So if you're not a U.S. citizen and you don't have clearances, you don't get to read it. No matter who you are, even if, even if you're the foreign minister of Great Britain, uh, even if you're, the, oh, if you're the secretary general of NATO, you're not American, you're, you can't see this. So that was a long clip, but I wanted to kind of establish this guy's credibility. Uh, his name's Larry Johnson. He's a former CIA uh, intel person, and he has viewed these documents, and, and he's basically telling the judge that uh, this looks like uh, an assembly of information that would be coalesced for the purpose of some higher-ups, you know, uh, like for a briefing. He calls it a Reader's Digest version. But then there's supporting documents in this, in this uh, grouping of documents, which he's identified as either CIA documents or NSA and so on and so forth. And, you know, the, the interesting thing that we're going to learn here in a minute about these documents is their, their briefings to uh, top brass in the military, and he said captains and colonels and people like that, about the progress, about what is happening in Ukraine. Um, you know, these, you know, there's, there's obviously we're spending a lot of money in Ukraine. We're transporting a lot of weaponry. We're basically fighting a proxy war against Russia and Ukraine and, uh, with, with Ukrainian soldiers, which turns out maybe not the entire truth as we'll learn here in a minute. But this guy that, that leaked the documents uh, might have been in the room or was shared the, the, this Reader's Digest version of this report. And this is a, a lot of what, uh, I guess, is, has been leaked. 
So the question now becomes, okay, well, why is this important? You know, why, why do we need to know about this? And we're going to get into that in just a second. Most of this okay. information is from February 28th or March 1st. So it's not, you know, you got to think of this as just one snapshot. It doesn't provide you a full view of what has gone on since then. Okay, as I understand the documents, there are several revelations, none of which will surprise you, because this is what you look at for a living, but much of which will surprise uh, the American public. <clears throat> First, that um, American defense officials have not always been uh, truthful. Second, uh, that American defense officials uh, believe that Ukraine, uh, Ukraine's uh, air defenses will be reduced to near zero by the end of next month. Third, the kill ratio is seven to one, meaning the Russians kill seven Ukraine soldiers for every one Ukrainians kill uh, right. of, uh, of Russians. By the way, if that is accurate, do the math. How much longer can Ukraine possibly last? A seven to one kill ratio right. is a slaughter, isn't it, Larry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a war of attrition, and uh, Ukraine doesn't have the manpower to to sustain it. Yeah, what this brief, what these documents that have been released shows is that there is a big discrepancy between what officials like Milley and Austin say in public, and what is actually being said in classified briefings. As an example, uh, the 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 casualty figures you note, it, it does show that there's a much a uh, higher Ukrainian casualty than Russian casualty level. Uh, you also note that uh, some of the information is uh, in, in terms of the ability of Ukraine to s sustain operations, uh, particularly the collapse of their air defense system, the lack of artillery shells. That's all in the briefings. And yet Milley and Austin insist, oh, yeah, Ukraine's doing great. They're going to march on to victory. Yeah, so let's just state right here up front, Lloyd Austin has testified before Congress in hearings uh, to just the opposite of what these documents say. Now, that that is a lie, and Lloyd Austin should go to prison, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that thinks lying to Congress should be against the law. They lie to us all the time. We should be able to lie to them. But the fact is, it is a law, and they do uh, they do ensnare people in this law all the time, lying to federal officials, lying to Congress. These are these are violations of federal law. Now we've we've talked on this show about James Clapper lied to uh, Congress uh, in a Senate hearing. And we know this because he said that the NSA was not spying on Americans, and less than a few months later, the Ed Snowden documents dropped. And we found out, no, that wasn't the case. James Clapper was lying. He straight up lied to Senator Weidman. So this happens a lot, and none of these people ever go to jail. But of course, all kinds of Americans are going to jail for lying to the FBI or lying to federal officials, what they typically call process crimes. Uh, General Flynn got uh, in trouble with one of these process crimes. And so 
if again, if you're on the wrong side of whatever the narrative is, you're going to go to jail if you lie. But if you're on the right side of the narrative, then this is going to go unpunished. It's just, just the, this is part of the unjust system, the just us, what I call the just us system of the United States. And this is wrong. And uh, it's a big problem. And, you know, if, if whistleblowers cannot reveal these secrets about our government without having to spend the rest of their lives in prison, I mean, what hope do we have to live in a free society ever again? I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, or, or be, you know, look at, look at the implications here. We're, we're, we're sticking the finger our, the collective United States finger in the eye of uh, uh, Putin and pr- trying to provoke, it looks like a hot war with Russia and now China probably. For what? I mean, what's, what, for what reason? So we can send a bunch of weapons to Ukraine and what? Destroy their country and kill all their people? indirectly and then blame it on Putin so he can be prosecuted for war crimes? I mean, is that the plan? I mean, what exactly is the plan? And I think the reality is we don't know what the plan is, but we know now, at least, that our leaders have have been lying to us. And of course, I've been operating under this assumption the whole time. Uh, This is just what they do to prosecute these... um, these wars around the globe. I mean, look at the Iraqi war. I mean, we were told that Saddam Hussein had uh, weapons of mass destruction. Not only did that lead to the invasion of Iraq, but I mean, that led to a total uh, annihilation of the Middle East um, that later uh, caused, you know, problems in Syria and Jordan uh, in Yemen I mean, all over the Middle East. I mean, the Middle East is just a pile of rubble now. And, oh, by the way, if you go look at the Taliban, the women are wearing burqas again. They're, they've closed down all the schools. You know, it's just bad. It's like, it's, like they, it's like business as usual with like a 20-year gap in there where we were there. So none of this stuff helped. None of it changed anything. And, and yet the lies persist. The desire to wage war persists, and there's seemingly nothing the citizens of the United States can do about it. Uh, you can't you can't blow the whistle on it, not without going to prison. Uh, WikiLeaks has been more or less shut down with Julian Assange um, being you know arrested and held under house arrest. So we, we've got, you know, freedom has, you know, to basically maintain freedom, you have to have a vigilant society. And it's impossible to have a vigilant society without a media that's on your side, without, um, without laws that protect you against the state. This is just, these are real big problems for the United States. And I don't know how we get back to um, kind of a society that's open and free 
and doesn't worry about tyranny um, from the state. I don't know how we get back to that. Here's um, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin testifying under oath, Larry. So I want your comments on this before the uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The uh, questioner is uh, Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker. Take a listen. With regard to your optimism about Ukraine having the upper hand, that is what you told me yesterday. It, it is. Now, uh, Ukrainians have inflicted significant casualties on the Russians, and they have depleted their, uh, their inventory of uh, armored vehicles in a way that no one would have ever imagined. And so now we see Russia reaching for a T- 54s and T-55 tanks because of the level of damage that the Ukrainians have inflicted on them. And we have, in the meantime, been... And reaching, to... reaching for those tanks uh, demonstrates what to you, sir? It demonstrates that uh, their capability is waning. And we've uh, continued uh, to witness uh, them be challenged with artillery munitions and other things. And they're reaching out to Iran. They're reaching out to, uh, to North Korea. I think, you know, we'll see an increase in the fighting in the spring as uh, conditions for maneuver improve. Do you believe there's a real chance for significant Ukrainian advancements between now and the beginning of winter? I believe there's a chance and we're doing everything that we can do to uh, ensure that they have their best opportunity to be successful, Senator. Your comments on Secretary Austin's uh, candor and intellectual honesty, if any. Uh, no intellectual honesty, and he's lying. That is no. the simplest way to put it. Larry, I wouldn't have I expected mean, anything uh, sharper or anything less sharp or crisp from you, but please go ahead. Well, well it's just when you look at what's in these documents, it, there's the documents are saying as of 1 March that uh, Ukraine does not have enough artillery to, to even fire 1,500 shells a day while the Russians are firing 20,000. And the documents make clear that the ability of the United States and Europe to provide adequate supplies is not there. So, you know, that's what he's been, he's seeing it, his aides are seeing it, uh, he should know that. Uh, as far as the depletion of, uh, of uh, armor, that's the problem with Ukraine, not Russia. Yeah, so one of the legitimate functions of Congress is to oversee or to provide oversight of government operations. Um, in other words, you gotta, you got to remember the people that are questioning other people in the government are representatives of the people or the states. And, you know, part of an agreement to have a collection of states is to you know, provide oversight and make sure that that, that that government, the general government in this case, is not, um, you know, is not damaging um, the liberties of the people that it purports to represent. And, you know, I mean, this is just a very basic function of Congress is to question uh, the leadership about what it is they're doing and you know why why they're spending the money they're spending is it being spent effectively you know all this kind of stuff and and what you've got now in our government is you've got just a gang of criminals (laughs) 
in my opinion, doing whatever the hell they want to do, and then thumbing their nose at the body, the governing body, which in this case is the Congress, that's supposed to be providing oversight. And this has been going on for a long time. Okay, this has been happening for a really long time. And it's getting worse. Like, it's getting more overt. The the lies are getting bigger. The uh, corruption is getting uh, larger and more widespread. Um, This is growing like a cancer on on our government. And... The, the cost, there is a cost, and the cost is to the American public. It's, it's, to, um, it, it's to the people that are willing to throw tax dollars at the warfare state. It's costing us there. It's costing us in lobbying efforts by corporations that have enough money and uh, free cash flow to hire lobbyists and to fleece the American public by advantaging themselves in the quote-unquote free market, this is becoming a larger and larger burden. I think I touched on this recently uh, for tax day. This year, I paid like seven and a half times more to the federal government than I pay to the state government. And to me, and in my simple mind, that just doesn't make sense. The vast majority of the money, because you live in a state and you live in a county and you live in a city, the vast majority of whatever taxes you're paying should be to that structure. The the city, uh, you know, the municipality, uh, the city, the county, the state. And then we should just be paying very little amount to the federal government. But I think if you analyze your tax situation each of you, you'll find that it's the same as mine. Now, you might not find that it's seven and a half times more because you maybe you live in a more expensive house or uh, you pay income tax instead of property tax um, or, or, you know, there's variations. But I think what you'll find almost exclusively and across the board is that you're paying more money to the federal government than you're paying to your state and local government in taxes. And this just... To me, this is a big part of the problem. This is what fuels all this corruption and this warfare state and people like Lloyd Austin that feel like they can just come to Congress and thumb their nose at it. Because they're basically, they're thumbing their nose at the people. They're saying, yeah, we don't actually work for you. We actually work for the industrial uh, military-industrial complex. Uh, we work for the people that are going to give us a job after we leave here. We work for anybody but you. And this is, a, this is obviously a big problem in America. Uh, is this just part of the job uh, that high-ranking uh, officials in the military would lie under oath uh, to Congress? I mean, the great Yankee pitcher, I say this because yeah. I'm a Yankee fan, Roger Clemens, is the last person prosecuted for lying under oath to Congress. And it was about the contents of his urine during a urine test that the Yankees compelled him to take. And he was prosecuted. First time a hung jury, second time acquitted. I'm glad he was acquitted. 
But this is about life and death. This is about human beings being killed. This is about government expenditure and a secret war. Is anything but, going to happen? No, no. I mean, this is ultimately about leadership. Uh, because what Austin does by making these kinds of statements, when this collapse occurs, and it could occur within you know, the next couple of weeks, it may be two or three months, the bottom line is Ukraine does not have the ability to sustain a war of attrition against Russia, and especially because neither the United States nor NATO has resources to sustain that fight. So when the class comes, it further undermines any confidence in military leadership. One of these days, there may be a real emergency where we have to trust someone like Austin. And just like the you know old fable, the children's story of the boy who cried wolf, nobody will pay attention to him anymore. Because well, tell they me, will um, assume you've lost before. I like how Judge Knapp got right to the, the crux of it. Is, is this just what high-ranking officials do now? Is just This is just part of the job. You have to go to Congress and you have to lie. And nothing will ever happen to you, so don't worry about it. Uh, and then he brings up, you know, the last person. I mean, we have been lied nonstop. Okay, we've been lied to nonstop by officials of the U.S. government. And Judge Napolitano points out that the last person that was prosecuted for lying to Congress was Roger Clemens, a baseball player. I mean, this is this is how absurd this whole oversight idea is. There's no real penalty for people like Lloyd Austin for coming to Congress and just lying. Just, I mean, you know. And then and then when people like me, okay come on the show this show and say Lloyd Austin is lying you know we're told that we're conspiracy theorists and you know that you're that's un-American or don't you love America those are talking points for Putin you know this kind of stuff and 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 of course eventually with something like this we're I'm proven right that mostly what they say is a lie and you can pretty much count on it being a lie um, but there's no penalty. There's no, again, uh, Roger Clemens was the last person. I mean, people that work in the government probably testify in front of Congress, um, 10 times more often than people from the private sector. If you, if you were to do a study on the frequency, it, it's, it's a lot more frequent that people from the government are testifying before Congress. And yet the last person that was prosecuted for lying to Congress was a private citizen. I mean, the odds of that are just not very good, right? So, I mean, what, what, what that tells you is that there's a, there's a set of rules for them and there's a set of rules for us. And this is just, this, this is fundamentally a problem with the United States, the way it is today. This just, in my mind, this cannot persist. We cannot have a set of rules for the elite and then a totally different set of rules for the people that live in the country. It's just, it's not possible to sustain um, that kind of arrangement long term. I, I think it'll, it'll crumble at some point. 
he uses the the fable the boy that cried wolf um, at some point we're going to need to listen to our leadership right they're going to have something very important to tell us and the problem is if you if you look everybody knows this if you're in a relationship and your partner in the relationship does nothing but lie to you and then one day comes and says i promise you this is the truth this is the truth you know <laughs> what happens you go yeah whatever you just discount it i mean they could be telling you Someone is coming to kill you now. I promise you this is the truth. This is the truth. And then you unknowingly put yourself at risk by saying, yeah, whatever. You lie to me all the time. You're lying to me now. This is the same problem we could have as a, as a country. This is what this guy brings up. What do you think their goal is if they're taking boys and old men off the street, training them for a week or two, and then putting them into the slaughter. I mean, this can't last. No, it, it can't. And you have to wonder at what point will these officers, you know, let's say reach a breaking point. But, you know, candidly, Judge, we've seen sort of the same disgraceful military leadership here in the United States. You didn't have a single senior officer, for example, during the start of the war in Iraq in 2003, stand up and resign and say, wait, this is wrong. Well, I'm not going to, going to go along with this. There, there is a habit of these senior officers when they get to the top that they don't want to jeopardize what they see as their retirement or their reputation, at least within polite society. So is, this is nothing that's just unique to Ukraine. We've seen it actually across the board. And, you know, these, these gentlemen, they have enough experience. Uh, they're, they're not without knowledge. And yet they, just the fact that they are continuing to pour you young men, it's not just young men, it's middle-aged guys. And it's guys mm-hmm. who in, the, in their sixties that are being sent to the front without the, the full complement of training and equipment to be, to be effective. This is actually very shocking. I've seen video on Twitter of military guys just taking people off the street in Ukraine throwing them into uh, like a paddy wagon type deal off to be trained to fight. I mean, it's not even a draft. It's like kidnapping. And you'll see videos of this every now and then on Twitter. But, you know, it's just because they're, they're running out of people. I mean, seven to one. I mean, they're losing seven soldiers for every one soldier that the Russians are going to lose. And the Russians have a ton of people to throw at this thing. Uh, Ukraine is just getting slaughtered. I mean, the, the, the entire, uh, these people are going to cease to exist almost um, when this is all done. And it's all because we hate Putin so much that we're willing to sacrifice an entire country to, I don't know, try to defeat him which is really dumb. I mean, look, everybody that lives on earth has a right to live on earth. Even Putin. We should be looking to figure out a way to get along with people. We don't have to lay down and and let them run roughshod over us or anything like that, but we don't need to be looking for conflict. And with regards to Putin, man, this country, the United States is always looking for conflict. I mean, 
they, the, the entire Trump presidency was about conflict with Russia. And, you know, that was a great opportunity to get along better with Putin and with Russia. And it was squandered because the, the establishment class didn't like Donald Trump and they wanted to connect. They wanted to hang something around his neck that would end his political career. I mean, this is just, this is crazy that we're having to live through this in, in this country, which is supposed to be the freest country in the world. So, I don't know, there's more of this interview. You should go listen to it. Uh, I'm, I'm about out of time today, but I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you for coming in and listening. Uh, I hope you enjoy these subjects that I'm bringing up and talking about. I, I just feel like they're extremely important, extremely important. And we've got to get people really aligned with what's really going on with our warfare state and what it's all about. And, you know, the first step to dealing with any kind of problem is you have to accurately identify it. You know, A is A, as John Galt said. And so if you, if you misidentify something or if you identify the wrong thing, then your solutions to whatever that problem is are necessarily going to be wrong. So it's super important that we identify the ills, the things that are bringing rot to our country and our society, if we're ever going to have a chance of, of, uh, of fixing them. 